This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Welcome, everybody, to the DNP CD Sports Podcast brought to you by Odd Shark. We've got an awesome show here today. But first, how are you doing today, Chad? I'm doing great, man. Lots of stuff happening in the sports world over the last few weeks since we've been gone and stuff, man. So there's lots to talk about, a lot to get to. And we got an awesome interview today that I'm really excited about. Yeah, second time on the show, Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer Ken Ruckers. We're going to get to him in a few minutes. Before we do, it's a lot going on in the yeah, sports man, world so right much. now. For sure. Uh, what, what's on your mind today? Dude, that, I want to talk about the Antonio Brown quitting, man. That, <laughs> that was hilarious. I want to say that was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in sports, but it's also one of the coolest things I've ever seen in sports, man. <laughs> if you're going to quit, that's how you go out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've quit a few jobs in my day, not quite as ceremoniously as <laughs> Antonio Brown did. I've, it's been close, but... Dog, that's how you got to go out, man. It's a shame, man, because that's the last time we'll ever ever see him play in an NFL game. Do you believe his side of the story that no. Bruce Arians did the whole cutthroat thing and said, if oh, you don't get in the game, did. you're done? Oh, yeah, he probably did, but uh, that's not how you handle it. You know what right, I mean? You right. don't do that on national TV in front of 60,000, 70,000 people and then a few million at home and do some goofy shit like that. You know yeah. what I mean? He's a... Uh, Unfortunately, man, you know what I'm saying? Like 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 Tom Brady said, he's he preached for patience and understanding yeah, and everything. Yeah. And you never know what's going on in someone's mind, man. I don't want to say like because he didn't want to play football, he's a lunatic. That, that you cannot do that if you don't want to, if you don't want to put yourself in harm's way and you're injured. Yeah. I totally get that. But uh to do it in the manner in which he did, man, that was just like you're taking away from the team, uh, you're causing a distraction, you're causing a scene. You look like a fool, you know? Well, well, let's talk about the manner in which he did it because he didn't just quit. He took off his shoulder pads. He took off his uniform. He threw his undershirt into the stands. Yeah. He then walked Which, who through. wants a sweaty-ass undershirt? You know what I'm saying? Uh, if someone threw that at me, I'm like, ugh, dog, get this I, don't, I disagree, me. man. That, that shit will go, go for a lot of dollars on You eBay. want that? Oh, hell yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm good. I guess uh, now it would, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But if someone throws a dirty-ass, sweaty Just undershirt, the, the I'm like, the entrepreneur in right me back. wants it. Yeah, you would take that. <laughs> I'd certainly be like, I don't want to touch this, but, yeah, but I'll take it yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I feel you. It'd be worth touching it. But but And then he walked through the the end zone while the game is yeah, going dude. on. There are players on the field. They're about to snap the ball. He's like in the end zone, like making all these motions toward the stands I'm surprised and stuff. I didn't get a flag for like too many men on the field or something, even though he's I mean, not he wearing shoulder pads he literally, or he literally a jersey. The other funny thing about that was the one of the security guards was about to like take him take down. Take him out. Because you know you're hilarious. not wearing a shirt, you got to yeah, assume yeah. that's a fan. Like yeah. what what player or coach is going to take their clothes off yeah. in the middle of a game? So I would probably assume that was a fan too. So like this fan's got cleats on, man. Those are pretty cool. <laughs> man. He's got grass yeah. stains on him too. This guy showed up to play, man. God oh, damn, how bizarre! But you know, on a serious note, I mean, you know, mental health is a serious issue. We've seen this coming with Antonio Brown. I mean, this is in a way it's kind of par for the course. He was quiet for a while, but. He had those bizarre off seasons where he showed up with frostbite and he he videotaped, so no, excuse me, audio taped his coach uh, John Gruden and then released the audio. And then after this meltdown on the field, Chad, we haven't even talked about the whole like releasing of the text with Alex Guerrero yeah. and throwing Tom Brady under the bus. Someone who, by all accounts, Tom Brady's been a, a great friend to him, uh, kind of threw him under the bus as well, talking about their financial dealings, etc. So to me, I'm seeing cries for help. I just worry, where does this end? Because yeah. he he seems to be stubborn. He seems to be someone who's not going to get mental health. Don't know him personally, but I feel like I've got a decent opinion based on what I'm seeing. It doesn't seem like he's going to be quick to take help. So if he doesn't get help, 
I don't suspect his mental health is going to get better on its own. I see him spiraling, and and I just hope this doesn't end up with someone getting hurt or end up with jail time, et cetera. Because oh, he's gonna it, be in jail. It, it feels it, it he's gonna be in jail like at some point, dog. This this yeah. is not gonna end well. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you that right now. That's gonna end with uh, this dude broke and uh, I don't know doing jumping jacks for for dollars or something like that, man. Like this dude, this is this is not gonna end well. I can tell you that right now, but. Uh, it was amazing that he was able to keep it together as long as he as he could, as yeah. he did. That's a testament to Tom Brady, I think, you know. But now he's just saying a bunch of crazy stuff and kind of trying to throw Tom under the bus and everything, man. But uh it's unfortunate, but damn dog, that shit was hilarious though. It was it was it yeah. was something else. Never yeah, seen anything that like funny, that, man. man. I mean, we had oh man, when was it? Like a year or two ago, uh Davis, the defensive back, quit in the middle of the game. But he didn't uh for do for the Colts, right? Okay. Uh, he 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 didn't. Uh, he didn't take off his shoulder pads and all that. He just like walked off and was like, "Peace, I'm retiring." I'm Antonio done. Brown set a new precedent, man. Now you're gonna have to like get down to your draws and shit. Yeah. To quit. Next person <laughs> gonna have to quit in their draws, man. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, uh, other sports news. I wanted to talk about this. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy from Ooh, the Boston Globe. Your boy. Man. I'll tell you what, a little, <laughs> little background on Dan Shaughnessy. So I grew up in Connecticut, big Boston Red Sox fan. So um, I know of Dan Shaughnessy. For people who aren't familiar with his writings, you're probably not unless you're in the New England area. Um, he's kind of, he's got a bit of a reputation as a troll. Um, he's the guy who pissed Kurt Schilling off. Um, he's, he's, he's rubbed a lot of players the wrong way because he kind of has like a troll mentality. mentality. He's kind of like, um, like a Skip Bayless, a name that a lot of other people might be more familiar with. He's like a Skip Bayless, but with less talent is kind of how I would describe it. And I'm just being real. Like I'm not even trying to like, like be mean to the guy right now. That's just how, how I look at Dan Shaughnessy and that's okay, man. Not everybody's blessed with talent. And and I don't think Dan Shaughnessy is, and that's okay. But he kind of crossed the line. I think, uh, these last couple of weeks, you want to tell everybody what you're, yeah. So we had an an interview with John Stockton where we talked about, uh, vaccines, John Stockton's beliefs on the lockdown, COVID, et cetera. And this is what Dan Shaughnessy wrote in reaction to, to that episode. He said that John Stockton, quote, confirmed his certainty that COVID vac- vaccines are harmful by stating, I can see it on the internet and I know people so indisputable, quoting John Stockton from our episode. And that's not real. That's not the real quote. Well, that, that he said that, but I'm going to explain saying, how he took it yeah, out of yeah, context. But he's taking, he's, yeah, Colton, John wasn't referring to that. Yeah, Colton, if you'll actually uh, play that clip for folks. And it, it is causing harm. We also have proof of that. Mm-hmm. So I even know people. I mean, I both I can see it on the internet and I know people. Yeah. So indisputable. All right. So you just heard John Stockton say he was talking about he knows people personally who have been injured by the COVID vaccine. Okay. That's what he meant when he said, I know people. Okay. Without that context, it makes it sound like John Stockton's a blowhard and he's like, oh, I'm famous and I know people, therefore I'm right. So a little journalism 101 lesson. And for people that don't know, Chad and I are both former sports writers. Um, this is what the quote should have said. I can see it on the internet and I know people, parentheses, who have been injured yeah. by the vaccine, yeah. end parentheses, yeah. so indisputable. Or if you're not going to do that, you could include the context from the prior quote so that people know that he was referring to people who have been injured by the vaccines. Dan Shaughnessy didn't do this, okay? He left the context out. And this is textbook taking a quote out of context. Mm -hmm. I'm talking literally, you could go into a journalism school and put this on a test 
and use this exact example. This is textbook taking a quote out of context. And this part is my opinion. I think that Dan Shaughnessy did this intentionally because the Boston Globe has been uh, complaining, venting their frustration about vaccine misinformation. And I think that they put this interview in this category. So what I did is I reached out to Dan Shaughnessy and I gave him the actual clip because I don't know if he just didn't hear the full clip, if he didn't intentionally or not. You want to give him the benefit of the doubt. You want to get him the benefit of the doubt. Send him a very friendly email. And I'm like, hey, Dan, read your article. Here's the actual clip where it's in full context and you took this quote out of context. I'm curious if you're going to uh, make a correction for this. And he responds back, one word, no, all caps. (laughs) What a cool guy. What What an awesome... (laughs) level-headed person (laughs) so yeah so i respond back and i copy jennifer peter the managing editor of the globe and brian mcrory who's been the editor of the globe since 2012 and i i you know again kind of plead my case hey i think this quote was taken out of context never hear back from them so to jennifer and brian jennifer peter and brian mcrory at the boston globe Y'all are cowards. Mm-hmm. Y'all are cowards. Y'all lack integrity to not even respond back. It's been about a month, three weeks or so since these emails went out. Not even address something that was clearly taken out of context and you were provided with the video evidence of this. But really, if you follow the Boston Globe, this should be of no surprise mm-hmm. to anybody. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. There's a guy who writes for the Boston Globe today, Kevin Cullen. In 2018, now this is on Brian McGregory's watch, by the way. Remember, Brian's been there since 2012. Kevin wrote about the Patriots Day uh, bombing, the, the Boston Marathon bombing. Kevin said many things like, I can smell Patriots Day 2013. I can hear it. God, can I hear it? When multiple fire engines or ambulances are racing to the scene. He says, I can taste it when I'm around a campfire and embers create a certain sensation. He wrote about his time. Which you assume, it sounds like this guy was at the bobbing, does it not, with these details? He says, I saw an older running runner wearing high pink socks about to cross the finish line. He was knocked to the ground by a photographer running up to Boylston Street toward the explosion. He later said the experience of being there at the bombing was post-traumatic stress. So you've got a guy, Kevin Cullen, who's saying he has post-traumatic stress from being at the Boston (laughs) Marathon because when these bombings happen, he gives in great detail the smells, the taste, clearly painting the picture he was there. Guess what? He was not there. This was found out years afterwards. He admitted it to a WEEI. That's a big radio station up in Boston. He admitted it to a a WEEI reporter. He wasn't there. So what does the Globe do? Right, Because the Globe is so concerned about misinformation, they literally have a reporter who's dishing out misinformation. Now, this is the one time he was caught. I suspect he was probably doing it a couple more times in his decades of reporting, right? So what do they do? They suspend him with pay, and he still works for the Globe. So this is not not a a one-time thing. 2005, Barbara Stewart, writer for the Globe, completely fabricates a story about seals being graphically killed. They had to retract her story. 2004, the Globe releases photos that allegedly show, you guys probably remember this one, that allegedly showed U.S. soldiers raping Iraqi women. It was actually from a porn site. It was not real military members <laughs> that were actually doing this. This was in 2004. 1998. I think I've seen that one. <laughs> 1998, Mike Barnacle fabricates story about cancer patients and copies materials from George Carlin's book. In the same year, Patricia Smith made up entire people in quotes. These are human beings that didn't exist. So this is the Boston Globe's track record here. Okay. Yeah. Now, we all make mistakes. 
Okay. You could say, hey, when a couple of these happens, they were a mistake. Maybe it's a training issue. Maybe it's a hiring issue. They're not hiring the right people. But when it happens over and over, at some point, this is who you are, Boston Globe. Yeah. You lack integrity. Mm-hmm. You have a culture problem when these when these issues are repeated and the people who are supervisors while they happen are still there. So while the Boston Globe is taking John Stockton out of context and complaining about vaccine misinformation endlessly, they are quite literally dishing out misinformation on an epic scale. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it in, in extraordinary manners, making up human beings, painting the picture that you were at a bombing and have psychological issues because you were at the bombing. Yeah, I still haven't gotten over Pearl Harbor. I've got PTSD from that. <laughs> I still, anytime I see a plane... Anytime I see a plane, I just start ducking and running for cover, man, because my time in Pearl Harbor, you know, during during that horrific incident. Oh, so yeah. so in conclusion, <laughs> Jennifer Peter, Brian McCrory and uh, Dan Shaughnessy, I think you guys are cowards. It, it's a black eye on journalism. When you take a quote out of context, you don't even own it. You don't even apologize. You don't even respond to an email about it. Um, I suspect you're probably not responding to readers who have similar concerns. Um it's it's quite disgusting. It's misleading. And uh, readers want integrity. So if you're wondering why less and less people are reading your publication, and if you're wondering why you're l- losing readers, this could be a piece of it. I'm off my soapbox now. Yeah. What they did was absolutely <clears throat> disgusting. And then when it's pointed out to them, they, 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 they just they don't just own it. Just to ignore it and to not even print a retraction or to respond to you or anything like that, that's just Bush League bullshit, man. And we haven't even gotten to his haircut yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like Dan Shaughnessy, there was a was that was that Kurt Schilling that called him the curly headed boyfriend? Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I don't have hair, but if I did have Dan Shaughnessy's hair, I would still shave my shit. <laughs> like, Dan, you're the first person in history that needs to shave your head and you have a full head of hair, dog. <laughs> what the hell is going on with that shit? I said, uh, I think I told you when we first started talking about this dude, he looks like uh is that is that Harpo? I think that's Harpo Marx, man. He looks like Harpo Marx. <laughs> Uh, and that dude is dumb as hell. Uh, I've never been, I've never liked that dude. My dad and I have always disliked him for as long as I've known him or known his writing. He's lazy, dude. He's a lazy ass. Of course he's saying this shit, just providing what, what amounts to propaganda now at this point when you straight up, uh, like misquote someone. And then are provided well, to be clear, evidence not to the contrary, but took it out of context. Took it, took it out Technically of context. speaking, the words and the quotes were, were were accurate, but he completely took it out of context, which is a huge no no yeah, in yeah. journalism, yeah. folks. For those of you who haven't been to journalism school, it's a huge no no in journalism. You don't do this. This yeah. is this is journalism malpractice. You don't do it. Yeah, old curly Sue. He needs to chill out, man. He, uh, <laughs> he he's uh, grasping at the 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 final straws of his career. Um, there's a reason why this dude hasn't like like gotten big or anything. This is re- there's a reason why newspapers are dying too. You know yeah. what I mean? Because you got assholes like him writing for him and stuff, and it's you're nice. losing integrity. It rhymes, yeah. reminds me a lot when I when I talk about Dan Shaughnessy and when I talk about his colleague Kevin Cullen, who still has a job after pretending to be at the Boston Marathon or pretending to have PTSD from the Boston dude. Marathon. When you're talking about people like this, it reminds me a lot of Brian Williams. Yeah, you know the, the the NBC news anchor who yeah. who lied blatantly about his time overseas and made it seem like he was this hero and you know dodging all this danger and all this stuff just to make the story better to get clicks to to get uh, 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 additional and to attention. sell war too. You know what I mean? Let's not let's not gloss yeah, over that. Point. That's a, that's to sell war. Yeah, and that's exactly what Shaughnessy's doing now is to sell vaccines. He is yeah. a shill for the corporate 
for the uh, medical industrial complex. And they don't, they could give a damn what the quote actually is referring to. They just want to get it out there so that they can make anyone who isn't in their camp and anyone who isn't as psychotic and, and crazy as them, they can, they can make, they can vilify them and, and uh, be condescending as hell. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sitting here giving a journalism one-on-one lesson to Dan Shaughnessy. Do you think he doesn't know this dude's yeah, been writing for yeah. 20 years? Do you think he accidentally took that out of context? No. I'd say there's probably about well, a 1% chance. Well, what I'll case. say is that he didn't listen to the interview. I can, I Clearly. can guarantee you that he didn't listen to the interview and two, he's just lazy as shit. He got that quote from another uh, journalist who who also misquoted or uh, uh, what was the term that you used? Uh, took it out of context. Took it yeah, out of yeah. context. He got that from another journalist, quote unquote, that that took the quote out of context, read it, didn't verify it, and then ran with the story. And then when you give him the information to the contrary, he he like a like a bull, like a dumbass. He just refuses to to admit that he's wrong. And, and yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's 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 sad, man. It, it's it's sad when you've got journalists out there who have you know some credibility uh, making decisions like this, and their supervisors just kind of just just turn away, like, oh, I didn't see that. I'm just yeah. I'm just gonna look the other way. Yeah. Um, it's, well, the, it's the dude hasn't had an original thought his entire career, so this doesn't surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> he's a jackass, dude. He's a straight yeah. up jackass. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I'm so, glad I got that off my chest. That feels you good. You feel to better be now, man? I do. I feel a lot better, man. For sure. I will say this though, man. That just brought up a lot of the PTSD that I have about the the second building falling on 9/11. Dude, the Titanic yeah. was rough for me. Man. Yeah, I was yeah. there. The water was cold yeah. at I was, the Titanic. I I could smell the the fear yeah. of the Titanic. Yeah. I mean, I saw the rescue boats in the distance, and uh, it was to cold. this day, when I see boats, you get, I, I, I get yeah. chills. Yeah. I was actually at uh, the the World Trade Center Building 7 when the, a plane didn't hit that building. <laughs> <laughs> you were there, huh? I was there, man. Anytime I smell uh, burning paper, I, I, I just sense shock, <laughs> just chills up and down my spine. I just immediately start running, start screaming and shit. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, man, that was that was a devastating day for me and my family. I still haven't gotten over it. I wasn't there, but I, I still have PTSD from not being there. I was taking a nap at the time. Actually. You can smell it, right? I can. You smell. can still smell it. You the, can taste the, it. Yeah, yeah, the smell of thermite actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> immediately when I smell thermite burning, immediately. You know, uh, uh, jet fuel it. too. You know, anytime I smell jet fuel, just immediately, just, absolutely, just duck and run for cover because of that PTSD that I've uh. experienced and still, still trying to get over um, uh, from that. You know, so yeah, we, I mean, Pearl Harbor, Titanic, yeah. and nine eleven. We've been through a lot. Those you were know? all tough days. Those were all. Those were all really tough yeah, days. I don't know how I made it through it. I'm I, proud of myself for doing so. I tell you, man. What can I say? Uh, so that's anyways, that's the Boston Globe for you folks yeah, yeah. Uh, in a nutshell. Uh, but on a, on a lighter, more exciting note, we do have an awesome guest yeah. today. I cannot wait yeah, to dude. bring back on Ken Rucker's second time on the show. This dude is is fun to talk to, Chad. He's loaded with stories. I mean, the stories from his playing days are, are, are epic. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll also get into some more controversial topics with him in the second half of our interview with Ken, which will be on pretty much everything besides YouTube. I'm talking iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you want an extended interview with Ken, make sure you jump on over to that if you happen to be watching this one on YouTube. Yeah, Ken's one of my favorite guests that we've had on the show, man. He's so knowledgeable. He's so cool. He's such a nice guy. Um, He's helped us out a lot behind the scenes and everything like that. Um, It's awesome to talk to a guy who also was the the pillar of that offensive line for one of my favorite, if not my favorite player of all time, Brett Favre. 
awesome to hear some stories about. Protected Brett Favre's yeah. blindside for yeah. many years. Yeah, so he could keep doing them Wrangler and them uh, <laughs> Copper Fit commercials. And we wouldn't have Copper Fit if it wasn't for Ken Rutgers. <laughs> Brett would be in a wheelchair, not being able to walk from multiple <laughs> leg injuries and stuff. Thankfully, Ken was protecting his blindside, and Absolutely. now Copper Fit can protect you. From I don't I don't know exactly what it does, but <laughs> you look pretty cool, man. When you're wearing it, I know that shit. Bef- so you- Before we get to Ken, though, Chad, you want to uh, tell folks about Odd Shark, yeah. our favorite lead sponsor on this show. Yeah, who they we are, adore. They are the lead sponsor of our show, man, and, and we love these guys because uh, actually we've been going to them and talking about them and using their site long before they became our yeah. lead sponsor on our show. If you go to OddShark.com, the great thing about Odd Shark is that. They have lines from eight or nine different uh, websites. You don't when you're betting, you don't want to just stick with one site. You want to go to multiple sites. You want to make sure you're getting the best line possible. You can do that all with Odd Shark. And the best part is that it's absolutely free. You go to oddshark.com. You type in uh, a game that's just coming up this weekend. They got the playoffs, you know, coming up. You type in the, type in the game, look at it, and there's going to be eight or nine different lines. And what a lot of people don't know is those, those lines are not uniform across every site. Right. Every site has a different number, you know. Uh, it could be up, up to a point, point and a half difference is a big deal on the over under could be two or three points. That's yep. a big deal. You, you know? shop around for a car. You shop around when you get a big screen TV, you need to shop around when you're making these bets as well. And there's a lot of people out there who aren't big bettors, but you might be placing a wager on the Super Bowl, and you might be online yeah. betting for the first time because your state just legalized it. If you're one of those people. You need to go to oddshark.com right now. This is a great resource for you. As Chad said, the lines are awesome. But also, they got great articles. Yep. They got great news on the, on there as well, and you can uh, inform yourself about a whole bunch of other sports other than football. We focused on that today because we got a football guest. But man, they got uh, gosh, practically every sport you yeah. can imagine. Every major event that's coming up, absolutely. They've Tennis, got an golf, UFC, about it. boxing. Yep, yep. And a lot of times, man, I love boxing, but I don't have the time to read about, stay up on boxing like I do other sports like golf and, and basketball and football and stuff like that. But if you go there, they're going to have a breakdown of the of the betting line. They're going to have a breakdown of the storylines. They're going to have a breakdown of both fighters. So you can uh, feel a little bit more comfortable who you yep. put your money on. It's a great resource. And the best part is, like we said, it's absolutely free. This is not a sign-up. This is not yep. a, a membership of any kind. It's absolutely free. Anybody can use it. So make sure you go to oddshark.com. That's O-D-D-S-S-H-A-R-K.com. They're our lead sponsor. We use them every time, every uh, episode, anytime we're doing the sports betting Every day segment. I'm on there. Yeah, this is uh, we're going to Odd Shark. So make sure you do as well. All right, so let's go ahead and bring in Ken Ruckers. Our guest today is a good friend of the podcast. This is his second appearance on the show. He's a member of the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame after being drafted number seven overall in the 1985 NFL Draft. He played 12 seasons for the Green Bay Packers. He was Brett Favre's trusted left tackle. He has a Super Bowl ring from Super Bowl 31, and he was the Packers offensive MVP in 1989. He's been keeping busy after retirement, working in a consulting role with the NFL, earning his PhD, teaching sociology at a college, and getting involved in activism. Please Welcome to the show, Ken Ruckers. Ken, how are you, man? Uh, good. Busy based on what you just your introduction. <laughs> got a lot have, on the plate there, Ken. Seriously. Have you, have you got a chance to catch your breath during the holidays at all? Uh, yeah. Uh, my wife and I, we went out snowshoeing a little bit yesterday. Um, it's, uh, got a little bit of uh, winter winter snow dumped on us. So it was kind of fun. But yeah, it was nice to get a break from school and take a little bit of a, of a breather. Yeah. Very good. Glad to hear it, man. As I said, you protected Brett Favre's blindside for so many years. Uh, you played a big role in so many of his iconic moments. He just had his touchdown record eclipsed by Aaron Rodgers, and he responded to Aaron by saying, go get the Packers another Super Bowl ring. What do you think the chances are that Brett gets his wish? Well, I think a, a real good chance. I mean, 
coming out of the gate, the very first game of the year, I was like, wow, what is going on? I mean, the Packers took a big dump, um, you know, in, in that opener. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a tough, a tough go. And, you know, so watched the uh, post-game interview and I thought, man, this is a, a, a critical um, point in his career, which way, because of, of everything that had gone on with him in the offseason and the different rumors about not being happy in Green Bay. And, and I thought, boy, this is going to go one of two ways. And I'm so glad to see it go in a positive direction. So I think, um, yeah, I'm hoping that they, that, that Aaron Rodgers gets a second Super Bowl ring and it's um, incredible and, and so gracious of Brett Favre, uh, you know, in the midst of, of uh, getting his record eclipsed to wish Aaron um, the best uh, success and getting to another Super Bowl, incredible um, and gracious uh, perspective by Brett. Speaking of Super Bowl rings, I know you weren't wearing it the last time we talked to you. You, you got that sucker on today? I do. I do. And you know what? There uh, it is. Aaron, I hope you get another one of these babies, man. Might be a little bit bigger this time, though. <laughs> they they tend yeah, to grow. Yeah, it'll, it'll, yeah, hopefully those they keep getting bigger. Yeah. You look at some of the early um, Super Bowl rings. Of course, you know everything in our culture is getting true. You know how can we Tommy top the last? Yeah, you know, the last uh, ring. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you were a big part of the Packers' first playoff win in uh, twelve years ago when you guys beat the Lions on a late touchdown from uh, Brett Favre to Sterling Sharp. On that play, you threw your defender on the ground like a badass. On the next play, you then celebrated a really special moment. What do you remember about that play and that day? Well, you know, you, usually you got your uh, – hopefully I have my back to the quarterback, and I'm not giving him one of those lookout block alerts, you know. Yeah. I just whiffed my guy. <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, that was a battle. You know, we were mm. playing in Detroit. I mean, it's always a little bit tougher to play, you know, away at someone else's home and on turf. Um, and it was just, it was a wild slug fest, a very close game, you know, Sterling Sharp, um, Chad, I think he sometimes, uh, gets easily overlooked, um, mm. he, uh, especially with all the greats the Packers have had over the years, but, you know, in 92, uh, and then again in 93, he, um, was, he was the first receiver in 92 to, to catch a hundred or more passes in a single season, almost maybe not quite to the degree of breaking the four minute mile, but I mean, gee, that that's amazing. And that was after yeah. several years of the West coast offense and, and the Niners Super Bowl teams with Jerry Rice and Sterling was the first one to break that barrier. And I don't know if he gets enough credit for that. And he did it two, two consecutive seasons in a row. So um, I think that was a large part of the success that propelled Favre uh, to go on to, to do great, Great things with MVP seasons and Super Bowl uh, appearances. Yeah, yeah. I always thought he was underrated. I've all, I've never understood why he hasn't got more love from uh, everyone. They talk about his brother a lot, who was a great player in his own right. But Ster uh, Sterling was an animal back in those days. I remember watching him play, and he was one of my favorite players. Of course, playing with probably my favorite player of all time, Brett Favre. Um, those were that was a great connection between the two of those guys. Oh, unbelievable! Um, and you know, his career got cut short. Uh, because of a neck injury, which was a really, you know, really loved Sterling. Great guy. Mm -hmm. um, easily, um, unfortunately, overlooked. You know, one of the things he did um, when he when he made that first record-setting season of 100 is he he bought all of his starting offensive linemen. He's, this is a receiver. Wow. He's buying his offensive linemen a Rolex watch. Oh, wow. Wow. And had it engraved on the backside, you know, with thank you, 100, you know, with the stats of the 
100 plus uh, receptions. Yeah, I mean, that's, and of course, coming out of <laughs> decades of of the seller of, of the win-loss category in Green Bay, I mean, that was very classy. Oh, that guy do that. Yeah. You still got that yeah. Rolex? Because if I were you, I'd be I wearing do. it with the I'd be wearing it with that ring and just start pointing at stuff all the time. You know? <laughs> hey, I think it was over that way. I'm not totally sure, but uh I don't know. I, my Rolex is in the way. I don't know. You can see. Yeah. <laughs> great, great guy, yeah. Sterling. Ken's yeah. too great humble guy. for and that. I, I yeah. think he again, I'd say, you know, he he was such a a go-to guy for Favre early on. I think that gave Brett a lot of confidence. Oh, yeah. Good call. And he had, I don't know if it was the same season as his um, 1,000 yards, but he had the triple crown year too, right? Didn't he lead the league? Am I mistaken? I yeah, think I he led so. the league in touchdowns, receiving, receptions, yeah. um, and yards. And Cooper Cup is going to try to join that club uh, potentially with this last week of the season. But, uh, yeah, super, super underrated. And, and having a brother that dominated in the NFL as well probably yeah. doesn't uh, probably doesn't help your case to, to not be underrated. That's for sure. Um, anything else with Sterling? I mean, this is a guy we, – we know him. We saw him – playing but we don't have any insight into his personality or the kind of dude that he was in the locker room you spent a lot of time with him um any other insight that you can share about him that the rolex watch thing is is awesome and i've never heard of a non-quarterback buying their yeah, offensive lineman yeah. gifts that's awesome yeah um well you know he he was a guy that that took a lot of scorn um from fans because he would not sign autographs in public mm. i mean that's pretty rare for guys to because you're going to catch a lot of heat but mm. he he, and and I, I don't I don't know why he did that, but my, I would guess that, you know, that he, that he and he would tell him, send it into the send it in with a self-addressed stamped envelope. And I will do that. And then every Tuesday on the day off, he came in in the morning. Oh, wow. And he sat down in the locker room at one of the tables in the locker room and he signed all the all the requests for wow. autographs no so i mean you know, that's the kind of stuff tony that that uh, you're asking about that that wow. you know we see one version and then you go behind the curtain and you see this incredible guy that every tuesday on a day off he was signing autographs for fans if they would send it in and i think that kept wow. people from you know uh kept him from having to take time to sign you know kind of uh like receipts and scrap paper and things like that so yeah that um, makes sense. If it was meaningful to them, then they would send it. And I think that was his, his perspective. And, yeah. you know, God bless him for, uh, for standing up and what he believed in and what he valued. And yeah, so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. We don't have too many athletes or people in general doing that. Um, Ken, the last time we talked to you, you mentioned some of the locker room pranks from your playing days, and it set the bar pretty high for all the other athletes that we've spoke to on this show. You talked about baby powder and helmets, icy hot and jock straps. Um, which I learned from Revenge of the Nerds. I, th I found that, that 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 was actually a prank. I know Favre was a big time jokester. Can you tell us any of the things that he did, or were you ever on the receiving end of any of Favre's antics? Well, probably. You know, uh, he probably got me every once in a while with like, uh, um, oh, what, what, um, he probably got me with an icy hot once or baby. <laughs> he, was picking, he was, he was mostly picking on uh, Mark Chamara and yeah. Frank winners, Frankie bag of donuts winners. Yeah, yeah. Um, those were the, but you know, get quarterbacks, you know, they got so much time, right? Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they're only eclipsed with that extra, with that extra prank time by kickers and, and, and punters, but there's no way a kicker or punter would ever we'll do that, yeah. reach that they just—I mean—they're already under enough scrutiny in hell already. But yeah, Farber—he was a practical joker, and you know he kept it live, um, even in the huddle. You know, at times, uh, especially early in his career, 
you know, we'd be pretty serious and, and uh, you know, focused and locked in and, and he'd get into the huddle and, and he'd make some kind of a, a wisecrack or a comment or, or he'd just go, Hey man, look around. This is pretty amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of keep things a little, you know, not too, you know, when he sensed it was getting a little too stressful, you know, he'd throw a little something in there to kind of loosen us up. Um, now I think uh, sometimes he did go, I think a little too far in the locker room. I mean, I think getting a towel, you know, and putting it in an ice tub, getting it full of like ice and cold, I mean, freezing cold ice tub water, and then going to, you know, to the, to the restrooms where the stalls are and then put it, dumping it over, oh, over the stall. And a guy is it I mean, that, I just, While they're you know, in the bathroom like, stall. Something's got to be sacred, man. Where it's like, Brett, you don't cross that line. So, so, I mean, I have to tell myself, so, you know, when that, when he would get a little over the skis on, on pranks, you know, I would, I would put, a, I'd put a little icy hot or baby powder or put a little um, Vaseline. Sometimes Vaseline in the helmet is pretty good because, if you've ever been in a Vaseline war and sometimes Ooh. you get into that too, Ooh. you know, you get it on your hair and yeah. it's like, it takes days of shampooing <laughs> yeah. over and over to get that Vaseline out of your hair. And so I'd put a little bit of that in his helmet. And of course, <laughs> then he would blame Frank Winters or Mark Tamara. And so and it was fun just to kind of sit back. It's hard, you know, yeah. once you play a prank, it's hard to keep quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you get, you know, it's like <laughs> you want to get credit for it, but it was fun just to, to not take the credit and watch things unfold. Wait, so did you ever officially take credit or is there a chance that Brett's watching this and finding out for the first time that it was actually you um, and not Frank or Mark? Yeah, I never came clean. So I'm, I'm coming clean right now, Brett, and I'm sorry for all the pranks that went un, you know, uh, you know, that went uh, un, un um, uh, you know, Unowned, uh, admitted to, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I apologize, Brett. I, I'm sorry, but um, yeah, I'm just trying to, to help even the playing field a little bit. And, and how about Frank and Mark? Those poor guys, yeah, man, they got just, thrown under the bus. Yeah. Oh man, Kenny didn't care. <laughs> oh, you know, okay, you know, Tony, that's great, man. Because I, I probably should apologize to Frank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my good buddy that I played next to, tight end Mark Chamara. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> that's pretty bold on your part too to do that, because Chamara was a big guy. I mean, and and I'm sure Frankie was too. So to be pulling that oh, stuff. Yeah. They they never knew, and so now you're coming clean. You might be getting uh getting some pranks pulled on you next time you see those guys. They might they might be <laughs> a little uh, hate trolling on social media. Or yeah, I yeah. I gotta ask you because uh, you said Sterling Sharp bought everybody Rolexes. Did uh Brett ever get everybody like a, everybody on the team a, a couple pairs of Wranglers and some uh. Uh, some of that, uh, some of the other endorsement deals that he had going on. I think he got us watches one year, and I think boots one year. But oh, um, nice. you know, some some uh, some some cowboy boots, you know. So that was pretty fitting. But, yeah, um, yeah. I know one year he offered to take us all on a cruise, but it was um, guys only. So some of our wives weren't real happy with that. <laughs> but, you know, he was he was single at the time, so oh, <laughs> worked for him. Oh, Brett. Uh, man, you helped bring back that winning tradition to Green Bay. As we mentioned, that game in 93, I think that was your first playoff win in 12 years um, when you guys won that wild card game against the Lions. Um, can you talk to us about what it was like on the sidelines and the huddle and the locker room during some of those darker times when you guys weren't winning um, and, and you guys hadn't had that success yet? 
Yeah, I mean, it. it um, I, I remember, uh, so I got into the Packers, uh, and so by the time, so we got a new, uh, a, a new president of the Packers, Bob Harlan, whose son Kevin Harlan is a, a sports yeah, announcer, yeah. Yeah. A great family, great mm. guy, and he took over as the presiding president of the Packers, and one of the first things he did was to hire a general manager, and we hadn't had a general manager for decades, and that was Ron Wolf. Oh, and Ron Wolf hired Mike Holmgren and wow. they, um, and when I first got to green Bay, I mean, the same guys that were Lombardi's trainer and Lombardi's equipment guys, they were still there in the mid eighties wow. years later. And I, I had to go back to, to my, to my college uh, equipment guy to get a good uh, set of shoulder pads. It was, ter- wow. it was, it was terrible. It was kind of a survival of the small, uh, small medium market um, team. And that kind of had been the focus, even though times had changed with profit sharing, um, you know, league profit sharing that Tagliabue had brought, or that uh, actually Pete Roselle brought in, mm. um, you know, back in the, in the seventies, but, um, and, and they changed everything around, but, you know, by at the end of, at the end of seven years, uh, we had one winning season in my first seven years in Green Bay. I was so done and ready to move on. Um, yeah, it was, uh, um, I actually had gone in, I had actually gone in on my first meeting with Ron Wolf and said, I'm done. Ron, trade me. You know, you got Raider connections. You got, you got connections and I'm, I've done my penance. I'm a California guy, USC grew up in wow. California. And uh, I said, you know, I'm never playing again for the Green Bay Packers. I've done my penance. Trade me. Wow. Holy and it was an ugly, you know, that that wow. seventh year was was Lindy and Fonte. It was just an ugly year. And and you guys know from interviewing all the different offensive linemen you guys have interviewed, they're great guys. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, as a group, and you know, in the NFL and football, offensive linemen are like the greatest group of guys. And we were the biggest turds in the locker room. And that's part <laughs> of that too. I mean, I have to admit, um, it was hell. Um, I mean, it just was, it just got so ugly. And of course that's, it, it's easy, easy for things to turn South when you're losing. Um, and that was just, you know, the pressures, um, on the coaching staff and, yeah. um, so I was done, you know, I was done. So, and then how does he, if you're willing to give insight into that private conversation, how did he respond to you? Obviously you stayed with the Packers, so things worked out really well. Um, but what was that dialogue like after you kind of dropped this bombshell on him? Well, I think I surprised him. Mm. Um, I, 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 I wish I knew Ron Wolf a little bit better than I do. I mean, I, I would love to have a conversation with him at some point because, you know, Tony, it's funny because they asked me to come in early that offseason. Ron Wolf's first offseason leading up to his first season with Holmgren and, and, uh, and they asked me to come in early. And I said, why? Because, you know, you don't ask somebody to come in earlier mm. unless there's a reason. And, mm. uh, and yeah, well, it was hell getting me back there, but finally conceded and went back there. And I think I surprised him. Now, I knew because of the trading deadline, something was up and they wouldn't tell me. And so I, I, I was like, okay, well, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, then, then I'm out of here. You don't want me. I'm out. I mean, that's what mm. players want, right? Yeah. Players yeah. want to play for quarterbacks that, you know, and teammates that want them as teammates, they want to play for coaches and organizations that value them yeah. and want them. And, and so at that point, now it's interesting because um, I pulled my hamstring that, which was part of what made it hell that last, you know, and the seventh, my seventh year mm. and also then needed a, a, a 
uh, orthoscopic surgery on my knee to kind of clean it out. And so they were having me back for a physical. Um, I knew something was amiss because they wanted me to come back earlier than usual. And so um, it was kind of funny because about two months later, the NFL, I'd done some work for the NFL properties. And so they sent me a check. And on this check, right, from the NFL, it said to Ken Rutgers. And then it had these lines blacked out. Hmm. And I'm like holding it up to the light. You know, I, can't, I couldn't yeah. see it because it was that it was that kind of felty yeah. kind of um, flat kind of a paper that had the and it was a Sharpie. And so it's like it yeah. just absorbed. Right. Yeah. But it was the old school, you know, that they'd send through the, the printers that would stamp, you know, yeah. stamp yeah. the impression on. And so my wife, I mean, she's she's genius, man. My wife tilts it and gets a <laughs> reflection. Oh, off of, and she goes, Oh my gosh, it says care of Atlanta Falcons. Oh, dang. Whoa. And I thought, Holy crap, how close was I? Wow. To being traded to the Atlanta Falcons for Favre. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank God. I mean, you know, now I look back, I mean, you know, it's like Monday morning quarterback, and I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad that those things didn't work out and other things did. But, yeah. but to answer your wow. question, That's you know, awesome. Ron Wolf being that Raider kind of guy and be, he loves the history of football. I mean, the guy is just all in with, with, uh, that's just, he, he bleeds NFL football, um, and breathes it. And so, you know, coming out of, um, that real bad season and then him being fresh to the team, um, I think, I think it rocked him a little bit and he thought, Oh, this guy's got a little bit of, he's got a little bit of something else left in him and mm. he wants to go kick some ass, but he wants to do it with somebody who values him. And he said, you know, I want you to go meet with, I said, I'm not meeting with anybody. He goes, do me one favor and I'll see what we can do, but I'm not going to give you away, but I'll work on it. But I want you to go meet with Mike Holmgren and Tom Labatt, you know, mm. and I've been through a couple of coaches. I'm like, Oh man, you know, it's going to be the usual you know, new hire and, you know, it's going to be the, well, we don't have the players and it's going to take a couple of years to rebuild. And I'm like, I've been through this a couple of times and, but man, I loved Holmgren. Um, mm. I didn't think you could be a great coach and a great human in the NFL. And I think that was Mike Holmgren. Um, mm. And then Tom Lavat, the offensive line coach who I knew who was uh, with Indiana, he'd been around the league was, just a great veterans offensive line coach. So, so then after yeah. you met with those guys, you kind of felt a lot more comfortable wanting to stay, et cetera. I did. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I can't believe that story out, so. with That's the crazy. Falcons on the check. Holy yeah. cow. Have oh, you I shared know. that publicly with a lot that. of people before that story? No, no, wow. <laughs> I haven't shared, shared it much. Exclusive wow. right here. That was, yeah. that's a great story. That that's wow. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. Uh, Speaking of some other veteran presence on there, you, I, I mentioned earlier, Brett Favre was uh, probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite NFL player of all time. Um, I've always wanted to know this from a teammate of his, but can you give us any type of insight into, uh, one, what type of guy he was, but then two, obviously Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best player in the NFL right now, and you went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, how do the two compare, and how and how does Aaron compare to Brett uh, on the field? And I know you don't know Aaron off the field, but but how do you see their game stacking up to one another? Yeah, that's a great question, especially you know as a left tackle, I can answer from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I know Aaron. I, I got to know him early in his um, in his career when he was playing behind Brett, and then we kind of lost 
touch over the years, but um, I would say like with, for, for, for Favre, you know, he was exactly what you see is what you get with Favre. And I think that's true with most players for, for the most part. I think we're in a, in a culture right now where guys are kind of typically what you see is what you get for the most part. And just a good old boy and just a, just a dying passion to win, just to will a victory. I mean, just unbelievable. I remember the first game when he came in, when Mikowski went down, we were playing the Bengals and, um, and marching down to that toward the end of the fourth quarter. And I'm past blocking my guy and, and, and the defensive end kind of stops and he starts to jump up and, and I could sense that you can see it out of my peripheral vision, this ball just flying right. Mm. I got a tightrope zipping right to, to, to above my head. And so I had this amazing view of, you know, of the, of the tunnel of that, of that, that gap of right to the receiver touchdown Packers. We win. Mm. I'm just like, unbelievable. I mean, just, <laughs> and Favre's going, yeah. I mean, you just, he's so <laughs> contagious, you know, just a contagious teammate and d- just willed it to win. Right. Um, now that's a different personality and different temperament than Aaron Rodgers. And the game is different now, mm. as you guys know. I mean, you guys have been doing this and and, um, and analyzing sports and in it. So uh, the ability that Rodgers has, you know, to catch the other team, you know, with too many men on the field so he gets a free play and mm. to rally the offensive line and the sophistication and complexity to be able to, to take all that in and um, and execute that. And then – the presence and the vision, you know, to where when he when he drops back for a pass to kind of give like a little head nod, yeah, and the defensive ends like freeze. Oh, that's like an offensive lineman's dream, mm-hmm. you know, to have a quarterback kind of. Do. Now that's you know that's part of building the game and adding on to the complexities of of improving the game as an offense and as a player. So, um, and then Rogers, of course, Chad, um, to your question, I mean, he is a little bit more heady you know, um, mm-hmm. less emotional, more say intellectual, um, from what I can tell from, you know, my vantage point, but, but as, but as he operates as a quarterback on the field, what he's been able to do to achieve advantages and to bring it home is just incredible. Yeah. I, I think that the Packers as an, as a franchise are just incredibly lucky. You know what I mean? I don't know of any organization that's ever gone. I mean, maybe the 49ers with Joe Montana and Steve Young, but that have gone from, you know, Brett Favre, obviously first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time to Aaron Rodgers, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I'm a Browns fan, but I'm, I'm a, uh, NFC. I'm a Packers fan. I, I, I root for the Packers and, and every year because they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And just to see those guys uh, uh, play throughout my lifetime has been amazing. But it's also been awesome. You mentioned earlier about how uh, a lot of people thought there was a rift between uh, Brett and Aaron and to see Brett coming out so publicly and being so uh, uh, being behind him and encouraging him and everything like that. It's great for the Packer organization. It's great for Aaron Rodgers. And it's also awesome to see Brett Favre do it as well. You know what I mean? To after all these years to be in, in his corner and stuff. So uh, what a awesome luxury that is for the Green Bay Packers to go from now, you know, now you can say, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers gets another Super Bowl, maybe that cements him a little bit further. But as of right now, today, you know, uh, January 4th or whatever it is here, 
who's who's a better quarterback? And, and it's hard to it's hard to distinguish between the two. But just an awesome luxury to to have Brett Favre than Aaron Rodgers. That is every franchise's dream to be able to hand off the reins like that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you make a great comparison with going from Montana to Young. You know mm-hmm. what what an amazing back to back duo that was, and I think that's true as well um, as you point out for the Packers. Um, and I and I it is it's hard to watch somebody else set your records. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of your identity. That's part of your your achievement, and then to have that eclipsed. Um, it takes a big guy to to step forward yeah. and, and congratulate somebody and wish them well. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Far. It probably know. took him a couple of years just because he's such a competitor and that probably still burned, you know, <laughs> chapped his ass a little bit that he had to give it up to to Aaron and everything like that. But there couldn't be a more worthy guy to take it take the mantle. And uh Aaron Rodgers is just a, a fantastic quarterback. Uh again, I I'm I'm gonna be rooting for him again this this playoffs and they, they got an awesome opportunity to to add it to the Super Bowl. For sure. Ken, um, I'm looking forward to asking you some more questions about Aaron Rodgers because he said some pretty interesting things in the media and I can't wait to get your reaction to. Real quick before we get to that, though, I'm curious what free agency was like for you, especially that first go around in free agency. We talked already about how the game has changed so much. Free agency has changed quite a bit as well, um, especially since you've retired. What was that process like for you? Well, it was a it was a long, hard process to get free agency. I mean, Ed Garvey, who is who is I'm going back in time now with a little um, NFL history, especially uh, player union history. So Ed Garvey, CIA, uh, CIO, AFL, CIO, union boss, big time in California for unions. The NFL players union hires him and he trades away free agency back in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, trades it away for dues checkoffs, which means they required take out of your check the union dues. He traded away our free agency for that. And it took us a couple decades to get that back. Mm. And then Gene Upshaw comes in and Gene Upshaw says, hey, free agency, let's get free agency. So we went on strike in 87, my third year in 87. And of course, you know, Keanu Reeves and Gene Hackman, the replacements movie, that was about that whole strike. Mm, okay. you know, go back and look at a Hollywood version. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and, and trying to keep the troops rally, rally because there were people, you know, that crossed the line uh, a little bit, but not bad. Um, and, uh, and, but it still took us till 93 to get free agency. And so, um, in 93, we got free agency, and that was, what, 97, 98, 99, uh, or 80s, 92, yeah, seven, eight years before mm. under Plan B and kind of this makeshift. And uh, and so the first year, and I'd been, I'd done a lot of one-year deals thinking we'd get here, we'd get here. So oh, one yeah. of the, yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I was on a plane one time flying into Green Bay, uh, and I sit next to a Packer fan and I thought, Hey, you know, uh, um, this guy's pretty cool. I mean, he's not bothered me about, you know, maybe, maybe he doesn't know who I am. <laughs> so I said, Hey, you're a Packer fan. Huh? He goes, Oh God. Yes. I love the Packers. And he had Packer stuff on. And, and I go, who's your favorite player? Oh man, Favre. I love Favre. He's great. I go, anybody else? <laughs> well, Reggie White, man, Keith Jack, <laughs> oh Mark Chamara and Frank Winters. And- you got down to the punter, and you were like, "This is bullshit." <laughs> no, not really. 
<laughs> I said, what about Rutgers? He goes, oh, yeah, Rutgers. Good player, but he's always holding out. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I, I took that medicine, man. I asked for it. I swallowed that medicine. I ate that crow. So yeah. anyway, uh, but that was kind of a fun exchange. But yeah, I was holding out, waiting for, you know, the free agency. And then we got it. And then the part of the deal was you could, you could pick a franchise and a transition player to protect mm. that restricted their free agency, their ability um, to, to move on. And, and so they tagged me as a transition player. And of course um, I, I was one of maybe 17 players that tried to opt out of the collective bargaining agreement. And so went mm. to the judge who decided that whole thing back in Minnesota and we sued the, a couple of us sued the NFL to try to opt out of that. But the judge basically said, guys, I'm not going to let you 17 or 18 players ruin <laughs> this mm. deal mm. that we've worked years to do. So, mm. wow. so I told my agent, um, I said, you know, get the best deal you can. It was like a, a right of first refusal outside of the Packers, but I'm sticking with the Packers. I, mm. I don't want to go anywhere else, but, you know, nice. try to try to get that free market value. You know, I'm, I'm a free, I, I love freedom. Um, uh, love the ability for people to, to enjoy uh, their freedom um, unshackled, you know, from restrictions. And so I was a big free agency guy. Um, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. And, of any and of that you, know, you know, the funny wow. story too, Tony, along those lines, one of the trips I took was out to Arizona and they flew both my wife and I out to recruit us. You know, that was the first year of, of transition of free agency. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they pick us up in a limo and we're driving from the Phoenix airport, you know, to the facilities and they had this big billboard, you know, and it says the Arizona Cardinals welcome. And across the bottom, it said, Ken and Cheryl Rutgers. Ooh. And my wife said, Hey, look at that, man. Look at that. It's kind of like, we're so, yeah. <laughs> I'm just an offensive line. We're so funny. And I'm like, yeah, but Cheryl last week when Joe Montana came out, cause that was the first year and Joe Montana ended up with Kansas city that yeah. year. But he had, I said, Joe Montana was out here last week. That little strip at the bottom said, welcomes Joe Montana. Yeah. <laughs> so we get, we get, so Joe Bugle was the coach who, my wife and I are going out with him and the GM. And uh, so we're having this dinner. And so they start asking questions. You know, the general manager is asking us questions about, you know, so, you know, how's your health? You know, they're checking us out, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money to invest in, mm -hmm. in some, in a player. And I was, you know, just finished eight years. So I probably had another three or four good years left, but you know, you've had a few injuries. How's your health? And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh man, you know, um, my health is, yeah, it's fine. It's great. And then my wife said, yeah, well, sometimes, you know, your knee gets a little sore and I'm like, oh, shoot. Stop. And I, and I nudged her under the table and she's like, Hey, who's kicking me? Oh, geez. <laughs> Can't take her anywhere. Up. Yeah. Just giving it up. <laughs> like, you ain't coming on the next uh, free agency trip, Cheryl. You're going to stay home. Oh, exactly. <laughs> and my wife is just so transparent and so honest, man. I love her. But yeah, that was That's like hilarious. not the right time to be, yeah. to be those things. <laughs> She's like, why are you giving me the evil eye, Ken? This is not like exactly. you. Why are you? Hey, who's kicking me under yeah. the table? <laughs> Why'd you take my dessert? That's messed up, you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, everybody. We're proud to announce that the DMP CD Sports Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is awesome, dude, because this is the perfect time of year 
it's a uh, you know holiday season. A lot of people go through loss or experience loss or re- reminded of loss, uh, whether that's a loved one, a pet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or, or a Vegas contest. A Vegas contest. Dude, oh for real, God. this is a real story, Chad. So, yeah. so I started using BetterHelp oh, because every time you know I turn on the TV, I see the Raiders, I see the Cowboys, and I'm reminded of this terrible gambling loss that I had. Oh, so I, I started using BetterHelp. I've had a couple sessions with them, and it was seriously like super helpful, man. She like walked me through how like the loss that I was experiencing was actually somewhat similar psychologically like to the loss of a loved one, like where mm-hmm. you go through like those stages of grief and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously, you know, doesn't compare in like the emotional sense of like, I'm not saying it's worse than that, but yeah. in terms of the grieving process is really similar. So it's super helpful, man. I'm, I'm, I'm digging my, my better health experience. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, <laughs> you got something to say over there. Ah, that's so funny, man. <laughs> People are like, I've lost my dad and my cat died and my life's just not the same. Tony's like, I lost a contest. No, you know dude, I, I lost know. an opportunity at $6 million. I know, Let's dude. not make light of it. I know, but like what I'm saying though is like you had to have gone into this thinking like, dude, you know, there's like a one in a no, 7 billion chance I'm going to win this. One in 4,080 chance. But you still have to get all the games right. So that's like even more. It's not just you against other people. It's about like, you know. Yeah. So every week it's that at least. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyways, we like, but better help just if you're going through a loss like Tony, like a, a, a like a uncontrollable, you know, devastating loss like Tony has. You know what yeah. I mean? Chad would not make a good psychologist making light of other people's losses. This, this, this is why like, you got to go to I'm, better help. I'm dude. struggling with something right now. Chad's just like, that's not a big deal. That's, you need to yeah, get over it. I've been through worse. You know? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that's, what, that's what my, my, uh, that's what my, my slogan would be. You know what I'm saying? If, like uh, I was a therapist or something and I was like, just trying to get like people out of play. Worst been, therapist ever. Hey, I've been through worse. It, 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 it could be worse, okay? But seriously, this is why you don't want to talk to me. This is why you got to go to better help and yeah. get some professional licensed therapy. This isn't self-help. It's not like uh, a crisis line or anything like right. that. It's professional therapy done securely online. And if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash DNP, you're going to get 10% off your first month of therapy, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. And you can do video chats with them. You can do phone chats. You can text them. You can text them 24 hours with you if you want, and they're going to respond pretty quickly, which is awesome. Yeah, so make sure you go to uh, betterhelp.com forward slash DNP. You're going to get 10% off your first month. Ken, speaking of Cheryl, your wife, the last time that you were on our show, we talked about her quite a bit and um, her adverse reaction to the COVID vaccine. How is she doing? How is your family doing after all of that and the aftermath of that? Yeah, you know, she she's it's manageable, um, but she still has a... Uh, pretty much the same level of numbness, tingling, pain, um, weakness um, on her face or arms or legs. She's been diagnosed with small uh, fiber neuropathy, Mm. Um, doing some major changes in her diet to manage that. But thanks for asking, um, Tony. So appreciate that, you guys. Um, So could definitely use your your wishes, thoughts, and prayers um, for her recovery. But it's been almost a year now um, since she took the, the first Moderna shot. And uh, yeah, it's just been a crazy year for us, for sure. And for the people that didn't listen to our last interview with you, how how uh, quickly after she received her first shot did she start to experience some of those side effects? Yeah, within 24 hours, she started wow. to get like swelling in her lymph nodes. And then within a few days, some tingling on her face. And then it just kind of expanded and grew. Um, 
So, you know, into her arms and legs and, and uh, some digestive issues. And yes, it's really kind of a mixed bag. She ended up joining a group um, that became a Facebook group of mostly doctors because she took the shot in January. So she was in the first rollout because she was working on her master's in counseling and she was doing some social work in the counseling field. <clears throat> and so she was eligible. Um, and so a lot of the people that uh, joined together that were injured from the vaccine group were doctors. And so uh, they're, you know, they're still working to try to um, encourage the, the FDA and the CDC to, uh, in fact, they're having a meeting today with the FDA, the third one, and they're trying to encourage them um, to help them, you know, with their, mm -hmm. to study them, research them, find out what, what the neurological challenges are and what's causing those things and but but their big ask is to is to let the medical community know that these severe neurological reactions do happen and are real even though they're rare and so um so far the fda has refused to do that which is a shocker it yeah right defies common sense but. yeah Wow. Wow. Incredible. And, and I know that this kind of led to you starting the, the C19VaxReactions.com website. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about sort of the iterations of that website and, and how things are going there? Yeah. So we, we started it because um, the people in her group and other groups at the time that were Facebook groups, a lot of them were getting canceled and um, the media didn't want to talk about it. The social media didn't want to talk about it. Politicians weren't willing to help. And so they felt like they were being ghosted, like they didn't have a voice. And so I said, Hey, you know what? My brother um, and I will create a website for you. And uh, that won't get canceled, at least not yet in this country. Mm -hmm. And so we created um, that website, C19VAX, V-A-X, reactions with an S, dot com, and, and gave a voice to these people that were being ghosted um, without the fear of being canceled by social media. Um, and so they mostly, they told their stories. And then I started doing, um, because I teach, um, I'm a college professor now, um, and I teach and I get summers off. I said, well, I'll, I'll donate my time this summer to, um, to do interviews with the different, um, people that have been injured to tell their stories in a video format. And so we did that. And so it's still up and we're getting visitors. Um, I mean, the goal, you know, it's kind of weird, uh, Chad and Tony, because <clears throat> the goal of the website is to shut it down. Mm. I mean, that's a unique goal for somebody creating a website, right? We would like to, to see it go away because. That would mean the FDA and the NIH and the CDC and the media are acknowledging, you know, and reporting on this uh, and and being transparent about it and being and these people are being helped. So I just want to thank you for what you're doing. Can you remind me? I'm going to throw a couple names out there. Um, I think you've got a little Erin Brockovich in you, if you've seen that movie, which was which was based on a true story. And she's still a badass doing a lot of great work, by the way. But that sort of tenacity to stand up to power and say, no, 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 something is going on here and we need to pay attention and we need to help these people. Um, I don't see a lot of people in our society kind of taking that approach. And another one, a less well-known name that you really remind me of is someone named Polly Murray. And I don't know if you're familiar with, with this story or not. So in my home state of Connecticut, about 15 or 20 minutes from where I grew up, uh, Lyme disease started. And it took about 10 years for all of these CDC, National Institute of Health, all these powerful government agencies to acknowledge Lyme disease. And the whole time, Polly Murray was saying, 
hold on. She was collecting all the data. You know, she was collecting all these cases, similar to what you're doing with the website, getting these video testimonies, et cetera. And she was presenting this information and they literally laughed at her in the press. They laughed at her and, and, and alluded to, oh, this woman's crazy. And then 10 years later had to acknowledge, oh, yeah, she was right. Uh, there is something going on here. And then, you know, they identified the bacteria associated with Lyme disease. But she was right for all those years. She wasn't a doctor. She didn't have a medical background. And so, one, I just want to give you some props and say you remind me of, of one of my personal heroes, Polly Murray. Um, and, and two, just remind people that when you hear narratives in the media about you shouldn't listen to this person because they're not a doctor. There's some, that's a fair argument, but we also have examples throughout history of people who weren't doctors and thank God they spoke up. Yeah, I think, I think part of what's changed as well is say 50, 40, 50 years ago before the internet, <clears throat> you know, you went and you studied. I mean, I have my doctorate in sociology, so I'm a PhD and, you know, you go and you study and you're immersed in books and all you do all day is read and take notes and study and you create a dissertation and you become kind of the expert in this field. <clears throat> but now with the internet, you know, we've got such great access, not only to literature, peer reviewed journals, other research, but also experts in the field that now are talking out on podcasts. Um, people like Peter McCullough, people mm -hmm. like um, Dr. Malone, and other people that are speaking out or people like um, there's a really good, I think it's called Canadian COVID um, coalition mm. who's put out an amazing 30 plus minute video that kind of gives you the, and all that reason, all that information. So, so if you are a reasonably smart person and a critical thinker with a little bit of common sense, you can educate yourself today Um you know, as long as you're trying to take in enough information from kind of different perspectives to kind of figure out where that truth lies, which is what of that Socratic dialectic yeah. pro uh, project is. Right. And so a guy like Aaron Rodgers, for example, who I'm very grateful for him standing up and very courageous to do so, to stand up, um, you know, when he got COVID and took the heat, apologized for any harm that his maybe uh, perceived misinformation may have led to. So that took some pretty big, pretty big backbone to, mm -hmm. to come, come out with that. And then to say, let's have a conversation, but you could tell the guy's done his research, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's not a doctor. He's not a scientist, but you know, he's obviously spent a lot of time doing research and his critics, <clears throat> have done no None. or little research. Yep. And instead they, they attack him, which yep. is called for those in, in uh, the sports uh, booth industry uh, that are throwing cliches and labels and accusations. That's called an ad hominem attack, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. considered a fallacy. Mm -hmm. So let's argue the, the issues instead of name calling. And that's not doing anything for anybody or for society. Yeah, I want so, to ask I want to ask you further about Rogers because he has come out and said some things that I love, by the way. One, if science can't be questioned, it's propaganda. Absolutely love that. When you hear him raising questions and when you hear him saying things like this, I want to know how that feels to you because I look at you as Mr. Green Bay Packer. I feel like you you bleed. Uh, I almost said you bleed cheese. You with the cheese happening. <laughs> you bleed green and gold, right? And this is an organization that you care about deeply. I know that from talking with you. And now the face of that franchise 
is saying these things that I know resonate with you. So what would you say to Aaron Rodgers if he was listening right now about your reaction to some of the, the questions that he's raised um, about the COVID vaccine? Well, I would say, Aaron, thank you for having the courage to stand up because the peers, your peers around the league are not doing that mm. and because they're scared. And so the cur- you know, to win a Super Bowl, that's what you were kind of trained and made to do. I mean, that's that kind of identity perspective to some degree. I know you're much more than that, but thank you for standing up and having the courage to do that, for knowing who you are and knowing what you believe. And I stand with you. And I think more of the players around the league, I wish they had greater courage to stand with you as well and to speak out like you did. I mean, you're doing a great job of modeling manhood, courage, um, integrity, honesty. So thank you for that. Leadership. You you represent yourself and the league and the Packers very well. Thank you. Yeah. Like Tony said, leadership is what comes to mind for me is that uh, for him to have the guts and the courage to stand up in the face of this onslaught that is coming from every angle, from the league, from media, from fans, all from the medical community, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, for him to be able to stand up in the face of all that, it just, I've already loved the guy. I, he's already been one of my favorite players of all time. And that honestly is putting him up even a few more notches because it, 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 t- it takes a lot of guts, man. And and so many people are, are saying, you know, bashing the hell out of him. Once this, this story came out, I mean, you look through some of the, some of the comments and stuff like that on social media. These are, these don't seem like caring individuals, you know, to be honest. You read some of the comments on social media, some of the Well, and uh, in the things, mainstream press, yeah, not yeah. just from everyday Joes yeah. and Jills. I mean, we're yeah. talking mainstream press reporters. Uh, how, how about the whole thing about the the toe thing where, where he was he was making the jokes about the COVID yeah. toe? COVID clear, toe. Yeah. Clearly a joke. And yeah. then it just yeah. shows. I, I love that that happened, though, because it showed how irresponsible the press oh, is. Oh, and we've seen that so many times. One, with our, our last interview with Ken that got pulled from YouTube and everything. And then two, uh, we interviewed John Stockton, of course, as you know, Ken. Um, and uh, we had journalists from very prestigious uh, companies, from uh, newspapers uh, companies and stuff like that, and media companies that were just literally taking his, his uh, words out of context, completely out of context, not even watching or listening to the interview, and then writing articles saying that John Stockton's a kook and he he just reads stuff on the internet, totally taking his words out of context just I, to be able to paint him in, a, in the light that they wanted to. Go ahead, Ken. Well, you know, I mean, and that's, that, that is so common now, mm-hmm. Chad, yeah. what you're pointing out. And, um, God, we need to get away from the labeling, yep. um, away from, uh, you know, the tribalism yep. of othering people. Um, and we need to get back to talking about the topics, you know, you, you know, uh, and, and quit throwing out the cliches. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had the courage and the guts to apologize, you know, and I think there's some people uh, that sit in the Fox booth like Terry Bradshaw mm. That mm. owe Aaron Rodgers a big apology. Mm. Why do you and, think you that, know, Ken? For the things he said and and and, and the misinformation that that Bradshaw put out. Mm-hmm. And what can you can you uh, just uh, elaborate a little bit on, on what exactly Terry said for the people that don't know? Yeah, well, I mean, he, first of all, he he uh, poked fun at Aaron Rodgers for taking a horse, you know, a horse medicine or yeah, yeah. well. You know what? Which is do not, a little research, man. Yeah. Get on the get on the internet. Yeah. Let your fingers do a little research for you. The guys that founded that that, that discovered that they got Nobel Peace Prizes that yeah. that discovered ivermectin. Right. Yes, it's a horse drug, but it's also been FDA approved, 
and tested and far more testing than the current things we're putting into people's arms. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. You know, to, to quote our president, come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> but, you you well, think that was irresponsible on his, on his uh, part to, to call out Aaron Rodgers like that and to say things that weren't even true or, or and uh, research whatsoever on his part. Yeah. I would say lazy. I think yeah. we're all, you know, I, and I, and then of course, you know, when I first heard Rogers, when I first heard that, when the news first came out and I was a little upset with Aaron, I was like, Aaron, why'd you lie? But you know, things these days are far more complex than just yeah. slapping cliches and labels on things. So, so it's like, no, I found out, uh, that, that Rogers, you know, I mean, okay. It's, um, he was taking a prophylactic, which in a sense, so are the, so are the, in, in how the vaccines are acting, they're kind of a prophylactic as well, kind of leaky at, at that. But mm-hmm. at any rate, um, so, so I thought, well, did the Packers not know? No, it turns out the Packers knew. It turns out that his teammates knew. It turns out the media knew. Wow. I mean, you know how the locker rooms are. There's people that are, the media is in there 24 seven and right. Aaron's sitting out getting tested every day. I'm like, okay, well, gosh, more power to Aaron. I mean, he made a decision that came with consequences of having to be tested every day and not perfect. He didn't adhere to it, obviously, perfectly. Not sure many people are uh, in the NFL or in the country, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then then to have Bradshaw call him out as a liar. And, and it's like, well, now, wait a second. Are you calling him out because he's a liar? Because he was spinning something? Well, what do you think goes on? Yeah. In, we, in you know what do you think you're doing in sports media? Yeah, or, or you're, I mean we're all spinning it right. Yeah, if yeah. you're in the media, we're all spinning it to some degree. So you know I'd say people in glass houses should not be throwing stones like that. Yeah. Go, going back to ivermectin real quick, I've, I've got to throw this out there. So I have friends personally who I know who got COVID, who got legitimate prescriptions for of course the human version of ivermectin okay they go to get it filled from the pharmacy and the pharmacist says sorry i I can't fill this because i've gotten this memo okay there are cases that we've seen of ivermectin being confiscated from the mail so what's happening is government agencies and other individuals are stopping people from getting the human version so people are feeling desperate going to the horse version and then they're getting laughed at for taking a horse medication. Now, I don't think anybody chooses, I want to walk into a horse store and mm-hmm. take that drug. Yeah. People are unable to, or it's too expensive to get the, the human version. So I just want to throw that out there. But going back to Terry Bradshaw for a second, I'm skeptical whenever I hear any celebrity say positive things about vaccines and, and I want to share why. Because one, Andrew Bogut, former NBA player, has come out and said, I was offered money to give a pro-vaccine message, okay? Mm -hmm. This is his story. We know for a fact that the World Health Organization hired Hill & Knowlton. This is a PR company who represented Big Tobacco. Mm -hmm. And in their own, we know for a fact, in their own documents, they talk about how it's helpful to get celebrity endorsements when you're trying to push something. This is their strategy. So I, I can't throw an accusation and say, I bet Terry Bradshaw was paid to say what he said, but it's fair to ask that question. Yeah. It's fair to wonder because we know other celebrities have been paid to give pro-vaccine messages. So when I see someone like Terry Bradshaw, who has not said anything politically that I know of in yeah, the last ever. 10 years, yeah. and then suddenly comes out and say that, I have to at least wonder if there's payment Alternative, involved there. Yeah, ulterior motives. Yeah, I, 
I would be skeptical about that. I mean, Terry, I love, I love Terry Bradshaw, great guy. When I was growing up and I loved watching he and the Steelers win the Super Bowls, you know, when I was in high school and, yeah. and before, um, I, I like the kind of guy he is. I just think that there's a lot of group think going on yep. that he's the victim of. Um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, in his position and, you know, um, this latest, um, theory called mass formation psychosis, you know, I mean, that's a big mm. phrase, but it has a lot of that group conformity, fear, um, group think lot. And I think that's what most, I think that's what, you know, and it's easy to yeah. throw out some, some cliches instead of doing the work and really knowing and having the courage to stand up. Right. And then when you do throw those labels and you, you go, well, you know what, maybe I was wrong to have the courage to apologize. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Chad mentioned our first interview with you, Ken. Um, I don't think we've ever really talked about on the air the full story of what happened. So our first interview with you, very similar to this, we talked about the NFL for about half the time and talked about um, vaccines and your wife's situation for half the time. Within 48 hours, YouTube pulled the episode yeah. off the internet, off of their database. Luckily, by the way, it's still available on Spotify, iTunes, etc. Um, but what was interesting to me was the manner in which they pulled it. And I don't even uh, know if you're aware of this, Ken. They pulled it and they didn't tell us, like, at minute 41, we didn't like how you said this. Or at minute 46, you should have worded it this way. There was no feedback. They threw an umbrella out there of medical misinformation. And then they also gave us a strike on our YouTube channel. And the company that we work for has several other um, podcasts on their platform. So we wanted to put the episode back up on YouTube, but we didn't know what to cut. And we were afraid that if we cut certain things out, they might be like, no, that's not. And then we get a second strike. So essentially, we were forced to take that episode off of YouTube. And it seems like uh, that's sort of how information is being controlled these days, um, which is really concerning because, and I challenge anybody to go back and listen to that interview. I thought we were extremely fair, extremely fair toward yeah. vaccines, uh, uh, um, more fair than we are today, frankly. Um, yeah. and I'm, I think you're right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm shocked that, that that interview was taken down because from my perspective and go listen it to yourself and tell me if you disagree. Ken just told his story about what happened to his wife and, and that was not okay. Deemed by YouTube. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you just asked me about my wife and I told her story, right? That's her narrative. And I was, uh, well, I was too, I was shocked to, to see that it got taken off and, and that it was labeled as medical misinformation, which is code for if you disagree with the yeah. powers that be, yeah. we're going to label you as medical misinformation or, and then we're going to yank you. So there's no, uh, there's no definition. There's no mm -hmm. structure. There's no oversight. It's, it's, uh, you know, I mean, our first amendment right to free speech is a government, you know, guarantees the federal government won't censor us, but it is an American value and belief yeah. right, that we all tend to as a, as a whole, as a collective value. And, uh, but I was also pretty, uh, I mean, that was my first cancel. That yeah. was my oh, first no kidding. official oh. cancel culture cancel. So man, what You're an welcome. honor to yeah. be, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to cut my teeth with you guys on yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was just my wife's story. So it's kind of weird, but, um, yeah. Uh, one thing that I find interesting is I, I, it's a rhetorical question, but, uh, are the vaccines working? Because right now, I just read an article that 2021, there were triple the deaths uh, related to COVID than the year prior. Um, 
so I would think that, you know, one thing that I think is important is that is to look up the definition of a vaccine. And it says a substance used to stimulate the production of antibodies and provide immunity, immunity, not, oh, if you get it, you're, you're going to, it's going to be, you're not going to be affected as badly. It says immunity. That's the definition. Yeah, that's the old definition. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Word games, this, I mean, this we're hasn't been finding everything. Yep, yep, yep. This hasn't point. been updated uh, the, to the government <laughs> specifications just yet. It will shortly, I'm sure. But it says immunity, not, oh, well, you won't get it as bad. So then it's not a vaccine, first of all. We need to stop saying that shit because it's not a vaccine then. Because by definition, it's not, it's not providing immunity to this uh, uh, virus. And so. Now you see all across the league, NFL, NBA, NHL had to uh, postpone their season for a couple of weeks because it got out of control. If these vaccines are working, shouldn't everybody be fine? You know what I'm saying? So they, they keep moving the goalposts, which is what annoys me, is that they said, oh, no, when it first came out, oh, this is going to keep you from getting COVID. Now that's changed. Now it's, oh, no, you just won't go to the hospital. Next is going to be like, I don't know. But uh, well, another thing has changed. If I can jump in there was the um, the breakthrough cases were very rare. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. three months ago. Yeah. You can pull up news articles when the breakthrough cases first started. People like very rare breakthrough cases. And now we're seeing that they're not rare at all. Yeah. The breakthrough cases. Yeah, for sure. What, but, I've, what I've seen come out within and, I've, <clears throat> and within the last month is this is this uh, phrase called negative efficacy. Yeah, 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 yeah negative efficacy what that means is that you are more likely mm-hmm. at a, or at a higher risk of catching covid having been double vaxxed yep. and and boosted than if you're unvaccinated mm-hmm. and studies out of i know germany the uk yep. and a couple other countries that really do really good research yep. uh that data and that research and that science supports the hypothesis of of we are entering a a negative efficacy and, and it's, it's um, I mean Okama, uh, uh, Omicron is not you know what Delta you know not so you know I don't know you know to what degree but definitely um, we should be paying attention to those signals. Yeah, and those are countries that allow that uh, have like like you said that produce. Um, a lot of information and make it available to the public, whereas the United States does not do that. And I think I read it was uh, like anywhere from 80 minus 85 to 87 negative e- efficacy because of uh, these are countries that are like 90 plus percent vaccinated, you know. And so you would think that if it's working and, and it's doing what it's designed to do, I think what's going to happen is that eventually people you you one thing i am concerned about is the tribalism like you mentioned is that tony and i have talked about this that if you got the vaccine you're gonna be you're gonna die on that hill you know what i mean you're just gonna nope nope it, it works it's all you guys that are screwing it up it becomes you know part I mean? of your identity yeah once it, you yeah get the show. it does yeah, it becomes so part of your identity and this is another thing that a lot of people don't think about as a parent i've thought about this this is going to be a hill they're going to die on because the last thing they want to do and the last thing you want to you want to think about as a parent is that you put your child in danger knowingly or unknowingly mm-hmm. it's not, it's a hard pill to swallow and i understand that completely but at the same time we're talking about freedom we're talking about so, so you're saying so to be clear chad you're saying if if you give if someone gives their kid yeah the vaccine and then someone presents them with some legitimate yeah. information or 10 years from now we yeah. find out it caused harm yeah. you're saying they're less likely to accept that information cognitive dissonance yep. because they don't want to believe that they that caused they, the role in that harm. That they just 
blindly followed an organization that has been known to lie <laughs> and, and misrepresent statistics and information for decades for millennia, damn near, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, they're going to dig their heels in further because no one, no parent wants to think that they put their, their child in harm's way, yeah. you know, because they believed uh, the government, they believed the medical uh, establishment, or that they were just too damn lazy to look up shit th- themselves, you know what I mean? And so that's going to be a hill they're going to die on, they're going to dig their heels in even further, and it's going to be difficult. But at the same time, maybe once the seventh and eighth booster comes around, people will start to go, hey, man, maybe this ain't working so well, you know what I mean? This is therapy here, yeah. man. Thanks for letting us yeah, vent a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah, I thought I could be a for session. <laughs> yeah, send us a bill. No, I mean, yeah. you know, and that's how complex it is. You know, I really encourage, you know, your listeners and and you know, people that I talk to, I encourage them, you know, go out and, and uh, listen to, you know, uh, Peter McCullough, um, Dr. Robert Malone. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people on podcasts, you know, that are very qualified to speak in this. The thing I love about, um, Malone, uh, Dr. Malone is, uh, he's very, uh, he's, he is very hesitant to assign motive, which is so rare these days. Yeah. Mm. And he's a, he's very much scientific balanced. Um, so yeah, I mean, McCullough too, but they, boy, they get, uh, they do get some, some, uh, a lot of arrows. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Peter McCullough did that perfectly. You know, he didn't want to come straight out and say, cause Rogan asked him is like this five is a, times. This is a conspiracy then. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is a conspir- a yeah. And we're talking about this is some kook, uh, uh, scientist. This is one of the leading epidemiologists and virologists in the world. One of the most published, if not the most published in the world. And so it's not just, you have to listen. You don't get to just pick and choose who, who you're saying is right and wrong and everything like that. When you have other people like, like Aaron Rodgers said, uh, if you can't question it, it's propaganda and that's what it is. It's not question. It's not follow the, it's, it's follow the science. It's not question the science, prove the science. It's none of, they don't ever, you know, hammer that home. It's yeah. always just, just, just do as you're told, you know? And yeah, so I mean, the other shout out I'd have to give in the whole Aaron Rodgers um, is early on Jason Whitlock. I mean, that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Br- I love that. Yeah. guy. He freaking brings it yeah. you know, honesty, integrity, and truth. And he, boy, he challenged, uh, LeBron James, and yeah. he did it again just recently mm-hmm. um, in in another one of his uh, podcasts, and um, and the Tampa Bay quarterback who shall not be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're starting to see these these people. Uh, Jason Whitlock, you know, you reference him uh, challenging LeBron. LeBron's all, all looks like he's starting to switch sides a little bit because of some of the things that he said recently yeah. and some of the posts that he's made on Instagram and social media and everything like that, questioning, you know, the difference between the flu and, uh, and yep. COVID and everything. Well, you so. bring up Jason Whitlock, by the way, chirp, chirp, Ball State alum, okay, as, as am I. We'd love to get him on the show, by the way. We yeah. should reach out to him because he's, he's, he's a lot of fun to, to listen to. He's got a lot of great takes on this. Uh, good shout out there, Ken, because I agree he's, he's doing really great works. I just want to throw out there, this is my little therapy session. The thing that drives me nuts about the media right now is that if you say anything questioning vaccines in any way, you get that anti-vax label, right? Immediately. So you can say, actually, I love vaccines. I am vaccinated. I give vaccines to my kids. But this one concerns me. And here's why. Yeah. Anti-vax. Yep. Wait a second. I'm not against the technology. Yeah. I'm not against vaccines. I'm glad they got rid of polio. I'm glad they did X, Y, Z. I just have concerns about this one vaccine. So it's like, if someone says they don't like mayonnaise, do we say they're anti-food? Yeah. 
If someone says that they don't like dairy, yeah. are they anti-food? It's yeah. like, it doesn't make any sense. You want to just kill all the cows, don't you? You, just hate, you, <laughs> well, hate I, you know, cheese. one of my favorite quotes on those lines is, uh, is Robert Kennedy Jr.'s um, quote. <laughs> he says, I'm trying to get mercury out of back, out of fish. That doesn't make me anti-fish. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. really so, good. So, you know, it's much more complex, right? And, and you know, the whole that whole cancel culture labeling uh, uh, strategy is such a unfortunately is such a powerful shield and sword, uh, but it's tearing us apart. It is yeah, it point. is othering people. It is dividing us, tribalizing us, balkanizing, and we're being and we're being poked in that direction because that that allows us to be monetized. Yep. By social media and by politicians and by corporations, right? They're the ones that are winning and we're the ones that are getting stuck mm-hmm. battling each other. We got to find a way to get over ourselves. And, and I would say, you know, I would recommend start with yourself, mm. be a thumb pointer, and then think about where do who and what do I need to apologize for instead of demanding mm-hmm. apologies from others. Oh, that's yeah. good, man. Yeah, that's it's crazy because really a lot of these mm-hmm. people, a lot of the majority of these people that are you know in the cancel culture business and everything like that, these are people that have made mistakes in their own lives. You know what I mean? Everyone has that. We've all made mistakes. Yep. There's things I've done. I'm definitely not proud of. I wish I could take back, as I'm sure there are with both of you guys as well. And a lot of these guys, they 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 get on social media and everything like that, and they're just like they're just as bad as everybody else. We're, we're all human beings. And these guys get on here, want to cancel people after they get done with their shift at Best Buy or some shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> Doug, settle down. All right. You just work at Best Buy. You don't have the ability to just cancel someone's entire career, dog. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. And you know, it's really when we, when I first put the website up for my wife and her group, right. And I started doing interviews, um, I'd post these interviews and then I was the one all summer that answered, you know, all the emails. So I was getting 50 to 60 emails every day mm-hmm. from people and, and a lot of encouraging, but a lot, probably 80% of them were other people yeah. who had been injured by the vaccine and they were looking for help. And so we were trying to get them into groups, but there was a, a few also that I got where, Hey, my girlfriend, you know, says she doesn't believe that you are a bunch of paid actors and actresses oh, and it's fake news. And I'm like, man. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, saying, no, I interviewed these people. I, I sat the, the young lady, the 13 year old, she was 12 when she took the vaccine and the child, Maddie DeGary mm-hmm. and her mom, Stephanie, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I interviewed them and I've had a couple of meals with them and they're real and they're suffering real real reactions seemingly, you know, from, um, from the vaccine. I mean, it it certainly needs to be studied, you know, at least because she was a healthy, young, energetic, young lady. And the only thing that changed between that and her, her feeding tube and her wheelchair life is the vaccine. So it at least should be studied and questioned, which is what science is. Like Aaron, Aaron says, you know, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, instead of canceling it, that's not science. Having discourse and, and being curious and conducting inquiry and research, that's what we need to do. Yeah, Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, this is a very important aspect of that, too. This is why we encourage people to go to your website. It's the uh, number, excuse me, the letter C, uh, uh, number 19vaxreactions.com. Uh, very important for people to understand that there are people that are being injured by this and that 
um, a lot of people are right and having concerns about taking this. And, you know, like we said in our first interview, even if you are super, super, super in favor of the COVID-19 vaccine, you can do that and you can promote the COVID vaccine to the people that you care about and at the same time care for the people who have suffered yeah. from these reactions. It doesn't have yeah. to be an either or, yeah. either or sort of camp. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, that I've noticed is, is uh, you know, it, there's this there's this fear. I'm very as a as a social scientist, you know, I'm very curious about social phenomena. Right. And there's this pattern of fear that that. I think it's fear. <clears throat> I'm curious about it. We as a society, we're not acknowledging. I mean, we acknowledge peanut allergies and we study them and we accommodate them and we're careful about them. But the first step was, uh, like you said about Lyme's disease, was acknowledging they even exist. And I don't oh. know, there's this fear about even acknowledging that there could be people that have had a reaction from something that's put into their body, which is like almost everything we put into our body. Yep. Somebody at a very small percentage is going to have a reaction. And so why don't we make reality our friend and live in realville yeah. mm -hmm. and help the people, right? These, these people that are collateral damage from this war on COVID. And I think Tony, you know, you mentioned it earlier as well. Um, they're probably, you know, um, there are people that where the vaccine would be very beneficial mm. to them, right? Because it, it does help sure. uh, reduce the risk of death and, and harm and disease, right? So age or comorbidities or, you know, other issues in life. But then you also have people, right? Like my, my youngest daughter, she has some, some allergies. And so she's very vaccine hesitant because she's worried that because of her situation, right. Um, that, that there could be consequences to so let people make the decisions based on right their individual circumstance and their uniqueness. Yeah. And I think that's what that's how medicine should be. I mean that's that's how Chinese medicine approaches it, which I really respect about that. It's not a one size all fits fits all approach. It's not everybody should eat meat, everybody should eat apples. Yeah. It's sort of where you are. But the government likes to take a one-size-fits-all approach because it's convenient to say everybody should get these vaccines all at once instead of uh, parsing out the details of who should and who shouldn't. Yeah. So um, I, I hope we're not harming people for the sake of convenience, but I, I, I fear that we are for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ken, this was an incredible conversation. Yeah, awesome, I brother. mean, the, the, the stuff in the beginning of the interview about the, the, the FAR maybe being traded, maybe potentially being traded for FARV and the investigative work you and your wife did with the, the check. I mean, that was an incredible story. The stuff about Sterling Sharp. And then, of course, this stuff later in the interview, which is so, so important. Um, I love that, uh, that we, can, we can have these incredibly deep conversations with you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, brother. I always look forward to talking to you. Love you guys, man. Thank you for doing the hard and courageous work that you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah, we'll definitely be in touch. We'd love to have you on again soon. Uh, hopefully, for your sake, anyways, after the Packers win another championship. Hey, hey, let's not get carried away here. Right? <laughs> I got a 49er fan over here. My team's <laughs> done and gone, so uh, the, the Packers are my team for the rest of the year. I'm an I'm a adopted Packers fan. <laughs> Me too, Chad. I'm with the Packers all the way. Man. There we Super go. Super Bowl 2022, right Let's on. get it, man. Let's get it. <laughs> hey, the Super Bowl's got to go through Lambeau, right? Yeah, it, it does. It does. That and it I would does. not want to be playing Air Rodgers in January 
right now whatsoever. With that running game too? No. And, yeah, that's that's going to be tough for yeah. sure. Ken, thank you so much for the Thanks, time brother. again, man. I appreciate you. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, Chad. What did you think of that interview, man? That was a blast. Dude, he's such a fun guy to talk to, man. I love talking to that guy. He gives me he gives me energy, man. He always yeah. brightens my day because he's such a positive person. Uh, we talked about some of the struggles that he's going through right now with his family and everything like that. And still such a positive guy, such a positive outlook on life. So happy. Um, it's a guy I would love to to sit down and watch a game with, man. Absolutely, man. That would be a blast. And and I like the fact that we could have a conversation with him about his playing career. He gives us these great stories. The story about him holding the the check up to the light and seeing <laughs> yeah. Atlanta Falcons underneath the, the redacted words. That's one of my favorite stories on this show yeah. of all time. Um, that was incredible. I, I love, again, revisiting the pranks uh, in the locker room with Brett Favre. Um, and then the more serious stuff at the end of that conversation. It's cool. Me, you, and him are pretty like-minded, the three of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of think pretty similarly about what's going on. Um, but we also have our differences, man. I came out and I was like, hey, I think Terry Bradshaw uh, might be getting paid. And he's like, eh, I don't think so, yeah, yeah. but, you know, so um, we don't all think exactly the same. Um, I like that we can challenge each other in that manner. Um, but uh, and imagine this. You guys don't agree on everything and you didn't want to uh, come at each other's throats and you didn't wow. say anything super mean and condescending. A civil conversation. Holy shit, dude. That's crazy. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen one, one of those in a while. In a long time. It's been a while. It's wow. been a while that you guys can disagree on something and not call each other names. That's that's a, a big uh, point in human history for yeah. humanity, I think. And then but, how about him coming out in support of Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, man. I, real quick, to, just to touch on what he said about Bradshaw, I thought that it took amazing guts for him to be able to say that too because mm-hmm. so many times you see people that have differences or something like that, uh, something that's a big issue like this, and they don't call him out. He was still respectful. He said also that, him, that he loves Terry, that he's a friend of his yep. and would, would talk to him, uh, would love to have a conversation with him. But also he put his feet to the fire and let him know that what he said was wrong, irresponsible, and um and not right for him to to uh, talk about Aaron Rodgers like that. So it was awesome, big time guts to do that. And then yeah, talking about Aaron Rodgers, that was great to hear, man. Yeah, because uh, Aaron Rodgers is like a uh, political uh, uh, public enemy number one right now. He's not getting a ton of support yeah, right now. Not let's at be all. honest. At least like at, at least the the detractors are are louder than his supporters. Right. And so uh, it's awesome to know. And to let him know that he does have supporters. There are people out there that that believe in his right to to determine what he puts in his body. He's an NFL athlete. This is how he makes money. This is how he's become so successful and had so much money and, and uh, fame and fortune in his career. And he has every right to to weigh the options, to weigh uh, the pros and cons. And so it's awesome that he came out in support of him, a fellow Packer. Uh, it's a guy that I love playing, man. The Packers as an organization, I wish I would have grown up like a Packers fan because – I love that organization. I love Brett Favre. I love Aaron Rodgers. Probably two of my it's top It's not three. too late. You can denounce the Cleveland Browns yeah. today, Chad, and just, just be adopted by the Green Bay Packers before they start this playoff run. And yeah, I'll say this. Like, I'm not a huge, huge Cleveland Browns fan. Like, I'm a Browns mm, fan. Mm. But in terms of hierarchy of my favorite teams, they are definitely the my least favorite favorite team. You, oh, you know? mean of all your teams in all the different sports, the Browns are towards yeah, the Yeah, okay, so okay. it's like Michigan football, okay. Michigan basketball, probably the Cavs, Indians. And then Browns. Gotcha. You know? okay. So uh, I'm not a huge Cleveland Browns fan, uh, but I, I'm just not going to switch teams. But I, I do root for the Packers and the NFC. I root for them because the Browns are usually always out of the playoffs. We made it once in the last 20 years or yeah. so. So I will be rooting for the Packers this year for sure, man. I mean, I'm not going to be like upset if they lose or anything, but I'll be rooting for them during the game for sure. 
Yeah, it's going to be a fun wildcard weekend for sure. And if you haven't listened, check out our episode from uh, Wednesday, a couple days ago, of our preview of all the wildcard games coming up. But once again, man, really fun day with you, Chad. I love doing these interviews with you, man. Do you want to tell folks about Odd Shark before we take off? Yeah, definitely. Odd Shark is your uh, go-to source for all the best odds, lines, numbers, uh, information on any of the upcoming sporting events. Uh, my favorite thing, is, like I said earlier in the show, uh, boxing, man, because uh, I can't keep up on that. It's changing a lot. I don't know when fights are going to happen all the time and stuff like that. Or there's like a, there's a fighter that I like a lot, Shakur Stevenson, who uh, uh, is not very, very well known right now. He's working his way up in the ranks. But sometimes I don't know the guy he's fighting too well. Right. I go to Odd Shark. They've got a write-up about that almost all the time. And so you can get an understanding of who he's going up against, the undercard, all this stuff. Uh, makes you feel a little bit more secure when you're placing some money down on a bet. And then also just for NFL uh, lines and stuff. The over-under, a lot of people don't know, it's it's different. It's not uniform on every site. So. And it's changing throughout the week because yep. of weather issues. Yep. We got COVID stuff coming up. People you not know? playing because of COVID. Absolutely. So, Injuries. Yeah, so you go there. You're going to get the best number. You're going to get the best line. You're going to find out which site you want to go to, which one best suits your bet. Um, and we've loved Odd Shark. We've we've been a huge fan of Odd Shark way before we even yeah. they became a sponsor. We encourage everybody to go there, man. If you're gonna place a bet, you'd be a fool not to go to Odd Shark. It is a free resource. Is you don't have to sign up for a membership. This isn't a monthly dues type yep. thing. It's not twenty dollars a month, ten, fifteen dollars a month. This is absolutely free, man. Anybody can go. And so it takes five minutes. Go there, check out the line, make sure you're getting the best number. Uh, who with uh, whatever site you're betting with, maybe open an account with someone else. Just make sure you're getting the best number, man, because there's nothing worse than winning a bet and then realize or losing a bet by one point and realize that, yeah. hey, if I went to Odd Shark, I could have went to website X yep. and gotten a better deal, gotten a better number. Absolutely. So make sure you go there. Make sure you're uh, you're shopping around and getting the best uh, odds that you possibly can. It was a great episode, man. Yeah, a lot of fun. Ken Rutgers. Yeah, that was so much fun, man. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at DMPCD Show and then on anything else, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera at DMPCD Sports. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a likes up. Uh, excuse me, a thumbs up. Give, give us, us a, a likes up. Oh, you can give us a up. likes up too. Yeah, you know, subscribe. Yeah. That'd be wonderful as well. Make sure you tell your friends about us and you can sign up for our newsletter on hotpiemedia.com. Give us a likes up and a likes lo up. love down and a rub down. <laughs> give us, give it, just give us, just, just give it to us. All right, just love <laughs> us, please. Just please love us. Uh, great episode, man. Ken Rucker's the man. Uh, we appreciate you guys watching. Thanks for listening. Please tell your friends about the show. For Tony, I'm Chad. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.